Welcome to the TND podcast. My name is Chris Ingalls here today with Pastor Scott Applegate. And uh, we're also joined by Joel and Kristen Debo here today. Welcome, guys. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. So uh, we are going to be talking, uh, continuing. We're going to be continuing our uh, uh, kind of our walk through the Apostles' Creed. Um, our next section of the Apostles' Creed that we're doing is he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, which rings into Christmas time, which we're obviously heading into. Hold on, hold on. It's November 8th, and we're talking about Christmas season already. Music, lights, ball humbug, man. I love Christmas, and I love what we're talking about today, but it's too much. What do you think? Well, I respectfully have to disagree. I have already baked, I have played Christmas music, and we watched a Christmas movie. I'm so annoyed by that. No, I'm so annoyed by, by your distaste for Christmas music. Oh, my Kristen wife is Naomi. so happy right now. <laughs> and Naomi has already started listening to her Christmas music. Sure. Same around our house. Mm-hmm. You guys are two peas in a pod thanks to that. Well, um... Well, Merry Christmas to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So, as we have in our past podcast, we're going to have kind of a theme that we're going to be talking about. So, when we get into this area where uh, we're just going to start talking about the humanity of Jesus, um, and what does that mean for us, uh, you know, as as a church community, and where Novation Statement of Faith, this is an important part of, of the Apostles' Creed and, and thus a part of Novation Statement of Faith. So uh, our theme, um, Jesus is the, is, is ultimate the right descriptor there, Scott, that he is the prototype. He is the, he is the very ultimate example of what a human should and could be. Right, because we always say, right, Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. So it's important to meditate on that, that he shows us what God's like. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But sometimes we stop there and we forget that he actually, he lived a perfect life. So he's fully human in a way that we aren't yet. And because we still sin, we're still selfish and God is eradicating that out of us. And Jesus came to, to give us life and to show us what life was about through his life and death and resurrection. And so he's the picture of what, it's, what a human being is supposed to be like as well. So to that end, um, I want to walk us through kind of Chris's Old Testament survey done in about two and a half minutes. So in Bible college where you know, Scott and I both went to uh, the same Bible college, there was a course, and there are in seminary, and it's called Old Testament Survey, and you spend an entire semester working through the history and the books of the Old Testament. Um, so I'm going to try and attempt to pull this off from a little different perspective, and this is certainly not unique to me. I'm learning this from some of the people that I listen to um, and engage with, but I'm going to attempt to walk us through this as a kind of a build-up to what we were just talking about. So, we're going to take the Old Testament and split it into three parts. It it is a consistent story, 
And as the longer I've been doing this Bible and following Jesus thing, the Old Testament, it's about Jesus. That if you read the Old Testament and try and separate Jesus out of the Old Testament, then you will absolutely misunderstand it. So the Old Testament survey by Chris in a couple and a half minutes or so. <laughs> so three parts or three acts in the Old Testament. Act one, part one, God and human humanity. God takes nothing and creates this beautiful garden land. He invites humans into, uh, to rule it with him. Uh, the humans rebel against God, but instead of destroying them, he exiles them. In exile, humanity self-destructs. They are selfish, violent, and oppressive. And this part one ends in a, in a pretty severe judgment and one that we've heard all since being around, you know, um, Sunday school and stuff, the flood, right? But in part one is the introduction of this mystery character, promised to be an offspring of the woman that will crush the instigator of the rebellion. So that's part one. Um, and just pretty much part one happens in the first few chapters of Genesis there. So part two, God and Israel. Similar to God and hum humanity storyline, God calls to himself his own people group now. He starts with Abraham and eventually that turns into this entire people that was promised to Abraham called Israel. They, Israel is invited by God into a garden land to rule along with him. Um, but Israel also rebels against God and they also become entirely selfish, violent, and oppressive. Um, they suffer a judgment in the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and exiled from the land that they were promised. In this story around God and Israel, though, in this part two, this mystery character becomes a bit more defined. Um, he is promised to be of the seed of Abraham and David. He's promised to be a priestly king. Um, he is promised to be the rescuer of Israel. Um, and so, uh, and then again, similar, part two kind of wraps up with uh, destruction of Jerusalem, destruction of the temple, Israel exiled to Babylon, pretty much. Um, uh, they're gone. So now part three is the prophets. And you might say the prophets and some of the poetry stuff in the Old Testament. The prophets, prophets spoke the words of God to both Israel and other nations and denounced their, their actions, their lives of sin and, and evil, and denounced their rebellion. They also proclaim this thing called the Day of the Lord, where God himself would rescue Israel and all people from the rebellion that they started and the exile that they're suffering. And through the prophets, then we get now some of the most clearest picture of this mystery character. In fact, he's no longer a mystery character. He's called the Messiah. He is the suffering servant. He is the son of man in the book of Daniel. Um, he is the promised priest. Um, so, and that, so you see these themes coming through, part one, part two, part three, but then the Old Testament ends almost like if you were sitting in a life play, it's like there's got to be, there has to be, they have to come back on stage and finish something. That's where the New Testament comes in, starts right with the Gospels now. Roman is now occupying the land, but the Jews, the people of God, Israel is there. And then in comes the gospel, 
And that launches us into this part that's summarized in the Apostles' Creed. He was conceived of the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. This rescuer is on his way. It's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> it made me think of two scriptures in the New Testament that we don't think about when it comes to Christmas. Uh, Galatians 4.4. 4. In the fullness of time, God sent his son... Mm -hmm born of a woman under the law so right there like when you said okay wait we all went and got our popcorn and our drinks isn't the next act supposed to start and there was that silent period but in the fullness of time at the right time god sent jesus and then in hebrews chapter 10 there's a very interesting thing about jesus and i think goes with he was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary the writer of hebrews is quoting Psalm uh, 40. And then he says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Which is so interesting. And he goes on to say, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. That's, you know, looking backwards at what happened with Jesus. So we pick up the, the story, right? And you go to Luke, and you see the angel Gabriel um, tells Mary that she's going to conceive the Messiah supernaturally. And, you know, I was thinking, Kristen, even for you, like, you're the only woman in this group right now. Like, what would that have been like? What was going on in, in her head to hear something like that? Right, especially considering the time, you know, that this was taking place and the repercussions for an engaged woman and what that, I mean, I can't even imagine, like, the faith to be able to be like, and a young okay. woman. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like she's not in her forties. Right. She's like a <laughs> she teenager. She hasn't done a whole right. lot of life yet. And she doesn't question. She says, "Be it unto me according to your word." She was puzzled. Yeah. Right. But she said, "Okay, I'm I'm, I'm believing." Yeah. I, I think one thing that's significant about that is what she agreed to and signed up for it was not at the time. It wasn't this uh, glorious gift. I mean, it was to be the, the mother of, of Jesus, but uh, she was signing up for a lifetime of being ostracized and a mm. lifetime of being outcast in her village and her and her life for, for this. And so it was not insignificant what she signed up to do by doing that. When you, Chris, you were going through the Old Testament and how, you know, these little signage pointing to Jesus in the fullness of time. I mean, when you read the Bible through that and you start thinking about how it culminates in the person and work of, of Jesus, when we say he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, she was a virgin. Like, this was a supernatural miracle that happened. That's why it's in the creed. That's why it's essential doctrine. And we can talk about this over the next few minutes together, that theologically it's important you know there's a doctrine that's an essential to our faith that's why it's in the creed but practically it has serious implications too but real quick remember you ever see the all the verses about Jesus and who he was before the manger before he came as the babe you know there are they call him Christophanes in in the old testament but we see that that in Micah 5, 2, you know, he says, you, you Bethlehem, out, out of you will come the ruler from ancient times, you know, and cool scriptures like that. Uh, Isaiah 
7.14, you know, um, the virgin shall conceive and you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, the New Testament right there in Matthew 1.21 says this is exactly what was prophesied. That gives me like the hair of my arms stand up and go, wow, like our faith is in something that's so real and, 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 and the probability of prophecies like that becoming true and how Jesus just... That's, I think that's a theological side, but the practical side of that even is for us today is <clears throat> it was designed from the Bible and all of history is it's designed, it's about Jesus, right? It, it doesn't show up by accident and it gives us that kind of hard um, almost uh, factual apologetic that this was a prophecy and it was fulfilled here and, and we can see, we can make the, connect those dots, make those connections, say it is a hard, maybe even an absolute hard truth. But practically for us today, what how I take it and look at it, I encourage others too, is when you read and you engage about the Bible, whether you're following Jesus or you're asking questions and you're trying to figure that out, um, if you see that, then uh, life just, it, life practically has some dots that get connected. Mm -hmm. and, and we see, and that's what I love about this, and Scott and I have been talking about this offline as well, that, I mean, Jesus is the example like uh, there is a guy that I read that he's not a Christ, he's not a Christian, he doesn't follow Jesus, he writes a blog, he's written a couple of books now, he's not a Christ follower, but he's very insightful. <laughs> he really is insightful. One of his, just this past week, one of his blog posts was, boy, when y'all get down to this thing, it's just, you know, um, treating other people well and being a good person is just the best way to be. <laughs> you're really close to the kingdom of God <laughs> and I mean he, he 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 absolutely he's a proclaimed soft atheist or something he yeah. he thinks Christian or you know religion stuff is just for the birds but yet those are the same conclusions that he comes to just like when Jesus comes and is born of the Virgin Mary he's conceived he is an actual human person he walks through life. We talked about this a little bit last week, uh, or last week's show, that uh, he was born a baby, grew into a boy, matured, matured into a man, and he just lived life and was a human the way that we were designed to be from the very beginning. I think it's important theologically to know why the virgin birth matters. Like it, it, because a lot of people would question and say, ah, did that really happen? That's, yeah. you know, it's a miracle for a reason, right? But, but you know, you can have cultish views of Jesus. If you don't have the right Jesus, right? right? He's God. Jesus is not a created being. He wasn't created in Mary's womb. God became flesh, you know, took on flesh as we sing about in all the great Christmas songs, you know, <laughs> I like, I like there. those kind of songs. I like those songs. Uh, not Cozy 101, <laughs> uh, bad theology, but you know, taking on flesh, Jesus was the word, he's the word of God. Like John 1, 1, he's always existed. He is God. And the word of God 
took on flesh. So Jesus has always been God, always in perfect community and harmony in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But in the plan of God for his glory, his work, Jesus comes and takes on flesh and is forever going to be the God-man. He's Anthropos, yes. right? Uh, Theoanthropos, however you say something like that. But he's, he's, uh, he took it on, and then after he died and was resurrected, he got his glorified body. And so Jesus, you know, came into this earth the same way we all do through his mother's womb. But what a miracle on how you know, sin wasn't passed down, you know, and you think about that with, with Jesus' virgin birth and the importance of it is he didn't come in this world the way everybody else does, which scripture clearly says is how sin is, you know, passed on. And he, he didn't. So I think that's important to acknowledge. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really key is, uh, you know, in order to satisfy the demands of sin and to uh, appease the righteousness of God that is required of that, a man would not have been able to pay that penalty. Right, because of being born into sin and, and so forth. So the fact that Jesus was conceived supernaturally speaks to the significance of who that person is, right. uh, being, being the God-man, as you said. And so I think that's um, really important to meditate on and, and think about how it, it's, it's hard to, to piece that intellectually, thinking well, you're Jesus is fully right man. And too that the first Adam were all in sin from the first Adam. Jesus as the second Adam, which is the more, he is the perfect one, and his sacrifice on our behalf, now we are all righteous. From this, you know, righteousness comes, you know, unrighteousness and sin came from the first Adam that you were just talking about, Scott. And righteousness and, you know, acceptance into the, perfect restored setting with uh, the the holy God is achieved through second Adam. That's exactly what you're talking about. And I think the importance of what both of you just said is, you know, a, a man had to, he had to be a man, but, he had but not a mortal man. man. Right, not a mortal man. He, he's immortal in, in who he is. So he came into our world the same way we do to kill death, to kill sin by his death on the cross an angel couldn't die for our sins right right no create it had to be his his perfection but he had to truly share in our humanity like that's hebrews chapter 2 he shared in our humanity he he's uh, put himself think about it the vulnerability of god's ability to be vulnerable to come into the world be a little baby have his little diaper changed have to have a bad bad and, and take a bottle whatever and and in Man, I remember last Christmas thinking about this, how in his humanness, Jesus grew into his understanding of who he was as he read the scriptures, as he read the Hebrew Bible, he starts seeing himself going, whoa. And uh, there was a revelation slowly that, that happened. I mean, and obviously his parents, Mary and Joseph had to tell him, listen, you were born pretty supernatural here. And, you know, you man. yeah, you, 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 you got a calling on your life. So he had to learn that in his humanness. That, that fascinated me when I had that thought, because we see him as like, don't make him a superhero. He's not Thor or some sort of mystical thing, but he had to learn in his humanity, but he was always God. He had always existed.
that blows my mind. Me too. It's hard to hold both of those intention. Like he had everything that we had, emotions, a body. He, you know, knew what limitations felt like, just like we do. But at the same time, he was the unlimited and is the unlimited God. And it's hard to wrap your mind around both of those things being true at the same time. Made me think of Philippians 2, right? Um, and he tells us, Paul tells us, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Like he set aside his, his God privileges, so to speak, and limited himself to time and space and nature and yes. storms and hunger pains and all the things that, he, that he, he went through. And he says, but, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under earth, and every tongue will confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. That, uh... Oh, what was I just thinking? I was thinking of Israel, because you've been there recently. Yes, I have. Thank and you. And we've been a couple Thank you for times. reminding everybody. I don't know if I've told them. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> you've got one up on me now, because we were a couple of times over. Um, as you were reading that, what I was thinking of was, there again, we talked about this in, in the previous show, that is also about his upside-down kingdom. And part of the reason that it is so difficult for us as humans that are not at that place where the perfect Adam, where the Jesus, who's the perfect human, the prototype, where what we were originally designed to be, um, how we are designed to live and be uh, is that upside down. And previous trips over to Israel and engaging some rabbis, some Orthodox Jews and just conversation and understanding where they're coming from, that is a concept that they, they simply can't apply to the Messiah of the Old Testament. No, they can't. They, I remember talking to the rabbi and he said, there's no way we can believe that God would become man that the Messiah is going to be godlike. I remember even saying that about mm -hmm. Emmanuel, God with us. I said, what about that? And he said, it'd be like David. David was godlike, you know, and he'll be military and, and political plus, you know, the restorer of, of Judaism and all that kind of stuff. And they, they, they just can't conceive. He comes in power, riding on the clouds, just like every other kingdom of this earth. Yet the way he came the first time was upside down from that. And from the beginning, it was upside down. Right. We in a manger. Funny story. <laughs> when we were in Bethlehem on this last trip, I don't know if you remember going there, but in Bethlehem, there's this old church that was built like maybe 800, 900 years ago at least. And they think that there's a cave underneath the church is the place where Jesus would have been born. It would have been the manger, all that. And who knows, right? But it's, it's, it's very 
religious, you know, and I'm air quoting religious, people kissing the ground and you know, all this kind of stuff. And the humorous part was we're trying to be like Jesus, right? And there's so many people and you're walking down this like half set of steps trying to get to this one small doorway. So it's just, and we were wall to wall with people and just getting claustrophobic. And this group of people who didn't speak English were mad at us and they were like pushing us and trying to make us take our hats off and it was the holy place and people were fighting and yelling at each other. I thought, okay, where's Jesus in this picture, you know? It was, it was. That is one of my memories from Bethlehem. The other one is um, a couple of gentlemen on the street um, offering 99 camels for one of the young teenage girls. <laughs> you know her we're good. Is, her name is Laura. <laughs> you know where we're good. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do that, no. Going back to what we were talking about before, I, I think for anybody who maybe is struggling with the idea or, or even believing the scriptures that say, this guy was born of the Holy Spirit, like born of a virgin, like, are you kidding me? And I think it's not insignificant to consider the the time frame and the culture and so on. And people in Jewish culture, that, that would have been, in, like you were saying, inconceivable mm -hmm. to them because... You didn't even get to look at the face of God. I mean, Moses saw his backside and almost died, right? So the fact that God would come in as a human form was completely against yeah. any of their beliefs. And even within, uh, you know, the Greek and the Roman uh, belief systems, you know, human material things were, were seen as, like, dirty. Like, you right. know, and, and Jesus came in humanity to redeem humanity. And he hasn't, he's not a spiritual being solely, and he's redeeming the, the material world as well, as well and cares about yeah. the material world as well. It's, it's the humility of Christmas that gets me, like yeah. born in a stable, you know, in a manger to a poor family. Jesus never owned much. I mean, he just took, he lived a humble, a humble life, and it started from his birth, you yeah. know, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, the going back to what you said last week, I think you were quoting Tim Keller with the Upside Down Kingdom, and what we're mm -hmm. talking right now is such a good example of it from the beginning all the way through, and not only in his circumstances and the way that Jesus became one of us, but also when we talk about Jesus being really the, the perfect human, almost the only real human, the most real human that is our example and we look at the way he lived and it's so countercultural. It's what's natural to us is what caused so much havoc in the Old Testament. It's that selfishness and oppression. And we, we do self-destruct at some point because we're about me and we're about power and we're about, you know, putting ourselves first and meeting our own needs. And Jesus turns everything upside down. And when we follow him and start learning to day by day die to ourselves, you know, in Matthew uh, 16, 25, Jesus says, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But give up your life for my sake and you're going to find it. Like that's what mm -hmm. real life looks like. And that's part of why this is so important for us practically, I think, to think about Jesus as our example. I want to find my life. I want the abundant life that Jesus promises us. But that comes by this daily dying to ourselves really really good and I'm sitting here processing the well uh, 
to kind of close out this episode, if you guys want to quickly, and I'm putting all three of you on the spot, but quickly what, what you would like to share as kind of a, a parting thought or a parting shot, if you want to. <laughs> so, um, as I was just thinking about that, though, and listening to you, Kristen, I think that is, that would be my parting thought for this portion of the Apostles' Creed. It points to the humility and honestly the, like you said, the vulnerability and even just the weakness of Jesus Christ being born of a woman, conceived by the Holy Spirit, you know, that aside, my parting thought um, would be that, and similar to what you were just saying, Kristen, die to yourself, but the best way I think I see, and becoming more and more evident to me the longer I follow Jesus, the way I die to myself is to sacrifice myself for others, is to give myself as uh, to the point the, the more I can do that um, with as good a heart and motives as possible, the more I will experience what is described about Jesus here, the, an actual closest, not closest, but the example of what it means to be human. Scott. Um, I'm really convicted. I know now why I hate Christmas music so much. It's because it's a reminder that it's not baseball season, it's not summer, and it's cold. And that's really a selfish motive on my part. So will you guys forgive me? I'll go to the Lord, too. But as long as you'll turn, turn Cozy 101 Ooh, on come to November 10th or whenever it starts playing. I don't know about that. <laughs> you'll have to disciple me. But Continually die to yourself, Scott. Ooh, that, that's, that's death itself. Yeah, <laughs> I would say, you know, the miracle of the virgin birth to meditate on that that and the humility that Jesus showed and how he came it, it marked his whole life on earth in the way he interacted with people um, I, I, I really enjoyed walking through the Apostles Creed and I think kind of from a theological standpoint uh, I've been impacted by noticing how deliberate each and every word is. And I think for everybody who's listening and, and spending time dwelling on this, really take the time to understand why those words were chosen. Like it, they, didn't, they didn't miss it by saying what they said in these two lines here about being conceived of a virgin and, and uh, being conceived of the Holy Spirit born of a virgin. Um, because it had significant meaning for what, what we believe and yeah. so uh, that's oh, that's the impact I think my closing thought about this portion of the Apostles Creed is really um, a comfort when we focus on the humanity of Jesus I'm reminded that our Savior is he knows so intimately what it feels like to be human what it feels like to be exhausted what it feels like to be betrayed by a friend what it feels like to experience great physical pain and trauma. There's nothing that we will face in this life that he hasn't gone before us in. And uh, that's, that's a lot of comfort for people who live in a world that's broken. Yeah. And going into a holiday season where so much of that is experienced. Yeah. I think that's great.
I'll give a plug. That's the Sunday series at Novation Church is about the pain that some people experience at Christmas time. Loss, grief, loneliness, strife. So be there. <laughs> All right. And reminder for everybody, um, join and engage on discussion and responses to questions. We'll look to have a couple more questions put up along uh, to go along with this episode of the podcast. But that is the TND Facebook group. So if you go out to Facebook, um, search for Novation Church, find the Novation Church page, and you'll be able to navigate to the TND group page there. Um, if you're not a member, please just hit the request button. Some of you will be automatically added. Others will get you added as quick as we can. So uh, please, um, uh, yeah, engage with us. That's an important part of the TND podcast. So Scott, Joel, Kristen, thank you guys very much. Feliz Navidad. Good one.